Welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table. This is where we share tips about business and parenting. Being a mom of three, CEO of the award-winning company Easy Daisy's speaker and educator, you're going to learn the tips and secrets of successful and incredible people. Elaine wants you to be inspired, challenged, and motivated, and that person you want your kids to grow up to be. This is Real Talk for Real Life. Hi, welcome to Elaine's Kitchen Table, where we talk about how to create better, how to create better family, self, business, and health. And my guest today, she helps business owners be strategic about their profit. Previously, she spent six years as a business coach to over 200 business owners who grossed between 200000 to $5 million. This gave her a front row seat to noticing how making money doesn't always translate to keeping that money, right? We understand that. Now, her engineering background trained her to analyze, evaluate, and create solutions, while her warm approach helps clients clarify and navigate their big picture. She is a mom of two beautiful teenage girls, a wife, and she does have a little dog named Cooper. And I just want to say welcome, Felicia Lee. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Elaine. I'm really looking forward to connecting here and uh, yeah, chatting and being at your kitchen table virtually. <laughs> I love it. I know people are like, oh, is it like, are you cooking today? I'm like, no, it's like yeah. my kitchen table is where all my small businesses have started from. And so it's just the perfect place to keep talking and helping and coming alongside other moms and business owners. Felicia, you have an incredible journey story. And I, I love I love that I get to see you. It's been like so long since we've seen each other in person, but I, I look forward to, to having this chat with you. Now, you were an engineer previously, and then you became a business coach, financial planner, and author. Can you give us a, a little glimpse on this journey? How on earth did you move through all of these Careers. Yeah, it's uh, funny. I'm I'm glad you asked me that question. Um, I just gave a career talk to you know my daughter's school, and I had to tell them that at age you know whatever 13, 15, 17, you don't have to figure out uh, your career for the rest of your life because it could evolve. So for me, um, I immigrated. I was an immigrant. I moved to Canada from. I uh, grew up in a country called Brunei. Was born in Malaysia in Southeast Asia, and I moved to uh, Vancouver when I was sixteen. No way. Okay. Yeah. I was also born in Malaysia. I'm just throwing that in there. Very hey, cool. Perfect. <laughs> so we're going to have to go and eat together. <laughs> we do. And Malaysia has excellent food. And so, you know, which I miss very much. Um, but yeah, I came here when I was 16 and uh, my parents immigrated here for my brother and I to attend, you know, post-secondary education. And so I went to engineering, you know, because again, coming from Asia, uh, I had English was my second language. Mm -hmm. And so then I felt like I had to go into a, you know, a, a, a degree or a area where English wasn't the main focus. And so because I was good at math and, you know, could, you know, coming from Asia, uh, very stereotypical, <laughs> did well in school there. So then engineering almost became like a very logical choice. And at the time, I also felt that um, I had a bit of a rebellious streak. I wanted to do something that not many girls were doing. So, wow. you know, when I found out that, oh, engineering has the fewest number of girls, I'm like, I'm going to try and do that. Good so, on you. Yeah. So I went to engineering and, um, you know, graduated from UBC here in Vancouver and uh, then, you know, got a job. And I was an engineer for about 10 years. Wow. Uh, so we, you know, I, I Can worked. Can I ask in what kind of engineer? 
I did electrical engineering and I ended up working as a network engineer. And so at the time we were still, you know, I worked for a, tel uh, a telecommunications company and we actually ended up building the internet. <laughs> so this was back in the wow. day. And I worked with a team of engineers. And so we were uh, in charge of building the architecture and the infrastructure um, of, you know, internet across Canada. And I did that for about 10 years. Uh, and then, you know, as you would have it, um, you know, really feeling like I was great at, I was good at engineering, but it wasn't really my passion. But um, throughout that time, I got promoted to be a manager and I managed a team of about 13 engineers all the way from, you know, new grads to engineers, very seasoned in their 60s. And so then I actually felt that I, you know, what I loved it. So even though I enjoyed being engine, you know, being an engineer, but I actually love being a, a manager so much more. So then I moved into marketing um, <clears throat> with a company that I was at. I did product management for a couple of years. And then I had my two girls. And it was during, you know, that time that I wanted really some flexibility. I was fascinated with entrepreneurship. So on my mat leaf, you know, of talking course. about launching things <laughs> off your kitchen tables, that's exactly what I did. Uh -huh. uh, so but I had a, a time to start a business with new children. <laughs> right. Because I'm looking for flexibility. I'm looking for, uh, you know, how how do I how can I have more freedom and flexibility to spend more time with my kids? And so then I met someone who was a business coach on Twitter, if anything else. And there was on my mat leave, there was uh, a group of moms that were entrepreneurial moms. Yeah, and so yes. then we got together, you know, just kind of while we all had young children, we all started our own businesses. And so I got approached by a business coach that said, hey, Felicia, maybe you want to, you know, consider doing business coaching and I would show you how to do that. So I ended up working, um, you know, doing that, learning all the ropes and about business coaching. I you know, licensed a uh, a system that showed me how to do it. So I didn't have to invent everything on my own. And because I loved systems, uh, so the systems that they gave me, you know, worked really well. So I ended up working with, you know, as you said, over 200 business and really got, you know, the, I, I think, firsthand look at how all the challenges, but all the varieties of different business owners and then, um, and so I did that for for a while, but, you know, as a solopreneur, um, as someone who, you know, worked on my business on my own, and I felt a bit lonely. So I had a, a business mentor that suggested to me that, you know, why don't you, um, and she had a thriving financial planning business, and she was my mentor, and I really respected her and sought her out for lots of advice. And she actually invited me to go into the financial planning business and so then I, you know, and and probably what triggered me to go into financial planning was that I had a client at the time who, and I talk about this in the book that I have. Uh, and so in the book, I mentioned that I have a client where I worked with her uh, on growing her business and she had reached seven figure business, um, but was miserable and actually couldn't make payroll and I was just so shocked that for someone who is making so much money that you could be in a situation where you your finances or your cash wasn't, a, you know, wasn't available to sustain the growth of the company. So that really got me curious. And so right. when my mentor invited me to go into her uh, business to work with her in financial planning, um, I realized that for people that are making money, it doesn't necessarily mean they're keeping the money. And yeah. so uh, and so then I began a journey of finding out how does 
all the financial planning. How does finances actually tie in uh, to for business owners? And I've been on that journey ever since. And so a lot of wow. what I've learned um, now and who I work with uh, are, you know, mostly business owners, incorporated professionals and their families. And so we are traveling that journey together where, wow. you know, once Felicia, you, make- you got to tell us all right now, my listeners are like, what is the name of your book? Uh, name of my book is called Financially Smart Business. And Excellent. so it is a book for profitable business owners to be more strategic about how they, you know, they're making the money, but are they being really strategic with the money that they're making? So we explore. Okay. You're uh, hitting that- a, a lot of nails right here and a lot of uh, points where I know that, like, you know, mm-hmm. myself as a, a listener to you and, and you know, and I, I encounter many, many women in small businesses who, you know, are, are making lots of profit in sales, but the money is gone. It goes quickly, especially if it's like mine, uh, a product-based business. And so in your experience then of, of having this great overview of over 200 businesses that you've helped work with, what did you notice like about finances for these business owners that my listeners can say, oh my gosh, that's me. What do I do? Yeah, I think the main thing to be aware of is the reason why it's difficult for, you know, for doing financial planning as a business owner is that most of us are not taught how to do that in school. Like even though you learn math, which I did a lot, we did a lot of math and um You know, but when it comes to running a business, like there are so many different parts of it that um, so many. And so then I think that depending on the stage of business, like what I learned is that the focus changes as your business grows. So in the beginning of someone starting their business, you may be focusing very much on revenue and on just, you know, marketing and sales and making enough to right pay for the products or uh, maybe pay yourself. And then after that, once you start making money and once you are profitable, uh, and I think it actually changes. And so the the what we need to do for our financial planning actually changes at different stage of the business. And so because we're not inherently taught how to do that, and also because as our financial planning gets more complex, if you will, like I think most people, uh, when you start a business, you may have an accountant, you may eventually have a bookkeeper someone to help you run the finances, but also you need to integrate all the different areas of planning, like tax planning, and then how does investment tie in? How does insurance tie in? Like, what do I do with my profit? Like, how much is my profit? Or how much should I even aim for, for my profit? There's all these different areas of planning. And usually I find that the challenge is that each of these areas are managed by one person who is an expert, uh, and but they're all different people and they don't talk to each other. And so and so what I find is that as your business grows, you kind of need to graduate to a different team of advisors. And also, um, you know, because all these advisors are not necessarily talking to each other, the business owner usually becomes the person that ends up managing and translating between all these different areas. So I find that very common. Um, what happens is that you may get conflicting advice, like, you know, accountant is telling me one thing, but the investment person at the bank is telling me another thing. And so as a business owner, sometimes we're just not sure what's the right decision to do. So a lot of my clients that I end up meeting at first find that they're not doing very much because they don't want to make a mistake with the yeah. money that they're making, right? With the hard earned money that you're making. Yes, no so how do you deploy the cash, the profit? 
Um, how do you make your like, how do you strategically allocate your funds? Like those are all the you know questions that come up. And I mean, we can always go to Google to Google it, but often it's not in the right context. So I find that's another challenge is yeah. there's no shortage of information, but how do I know if the information is right for me? And how do I know in my current circumstance, right. where my business is, what my fam- like where my family is, what I need, like, is that the right decision? And does that strategy apply to me? So I think the knowledge is out there, but it's the but it's applying the knowledge with the right context. That is often the challenge for a lot of business owners. Yes, I think this just falls into my next question. Then, what what do you think are those biggest challenges for uh, small business owners that they are facing with this financial planning? And you know, and often, I, I, like I know so many small business owners, and I don't think I've ever heard them say the words financial planning. Right. <laughs> so, so what what do we, where do we start? What are these biggest challenges? Like if we had to pick three of them or two, or you're saying, Elaine, this is the one way to start. Yeah. What would it be? I, I think the biggest one is actually knowing how much profit you want in your business. That is probably a question that I feel I discuss so much with my clients because often we can start working on our business. You know, you you try and you try and grow your revenues. You try and do as best as you can. But after a while, it can seem, just seem like more is better. And I'm, you know, I'm like, what is the correct number? So often I think that the biggest challenge is actually not knowing what profit we want to make. And so how do we even determine, you know, so what is the right number? And so that's a question sometimes I ask my clients when we're first starting out. It's like, hey, how much profit do you want to be making? And they usually look at me, you know, with a blank face and go like, I don't actually know how much do you think I should have? And is what I'm doing okay? And I think answering that question uh, leads to a bit of where probably where my business coaching ties into the financial planning. So I'm still very much a business coach at heart. And so then we start, you know, talking about vision. We start talking about uh, you know, understanding where you want to be and what, where do you, you know, where's the destination? If we know what the destination needs to look like, mm-hmm. then we can reverse engineer and figure out how much money we need to pay, need to make, how much money we need to put away in order to have the future that we desire. So I would say that is probably the the you know the first question to ask, which is, do you know what profit you want to make, and are you making it? Are you tracking it? Uh, are you on track to, you know, to have to being profitable? I think so, so much of our culture focuses on sales, like more and more sales without really focusing on the bottom line. Um, and so then, you know, as entrepreneurs, I really believe that you work very hard and, and you can always, you can always invest more into your business, right? We can always expand uh, our business. We can always do more marketing. We can always inject more cash into the business. But at the end of the day, you know, how do you want to reward yourself as an entrepreneur? What should you be harvesting along the way from your business? Um, So that, you know, I find that at the end, um, sometimes another challenge that I would say is, yeah, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about exit planning um, in a bit. Like I talk about that in the book. But yeah, having having vision. Um, knowing where you want to go and then knowing what profit you want to have. And, you know, that those are all challenges and all good questions to consider for yeah. our business. That, that question on what your profit sh- should be like, when you ask people that, 
when they just say, I want the most profit, I just want to be incredibly profitable. Like when you ask them that question, are they supposed to give you a number or a percentage? What yeah. do you ask for? I think that's a good question. I think it depends because again, as um, you know, I think for entrepreneurs, especially, or if you own a, a business or you're in maybe own a practice in healthcare or an incorporated professional, uh, I think that the thing about business owners is that it can be whatever you want it to be <laughs> because, you know, like we are, you're, you have this freedom and flexibility to create something. So certainly if you ask your accountant, they can tell you whether your profit margin is healthy or not healthy. If I run, you know, if I own a $4 million company in revenues, but I'm making, you know, $50,000 in profit at the end of the day, um, is that good or not good? Certain industries will have, right, obviously higher margins or lower margins. So I think there are certainly benchmarks that we can use to determine how we compare to our peers in the industry. But at the end of the day, uh, I think that it also comes down to, you know, what do you need? What do you want? Uh, from your business. And so I have known, um, you know, lots of businesses that have, you know, huge amount of revenues, but actually very, very low profit. And so then they're working so hard, yeah. uh, right, doing what they do just to bring home, you know, sometimes they they look at me and they go like, I think it would like, am I getting paid more if I work at McDonald's? <laughs> so, right, like, not to say McDonald's, is like minimal wage and not a great place to be. Yeah, but again, uh, you know, you, you want to make sure that what you put in into your business that you are rewarded, you know, sufficiently yeah. based on the profit, right? Well, let's talk about the how because I know our listeners like, yes, should I go work at McDonald's? <laughs> Should I? And you know, and it is real. It is very real, especially with the pandemic. I feel, and I feel like I'm almost in the same boat as many of the people I hear who say, you know, what? I feel like I'm a startup again. And and if you were to give a startup and one word of advice, what would it be, Felicia? Do you mean a startup, like someone who is starting? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would say, I would say, uh, if you're starting out figure out your marketing and sales. Like, you know, that is the top line. I right? would look at the financial statements. It's often you start with a, your revenue, your sales number. So without that, I mean, there's no profit to talk about. So I think the the first thing is just to, you know, again, for startup, depending on what industry and are we looking to be acquired? Are we looking to, you know, uh, get funding depending on what the goals are? But you probably want to prove your viability of concept and you want to right get to, you know, get to revenue uh, levels. You want to prove that you have a good product that is yeah, focus on the sales, right? Yeah. Focus on sales first. Uh, but once sales is is coming in, then I think we move into then, you know, what does profit look like now? So for someone who is starting out, I would say, yeah, don't worry about profit yet. Focus on your sales and marketing. Make sure you have something that is viable, something that people are looking for, something that brings value. And then at some point, you're going to get to a point where you're like, hey, I'm making money. But then where does it go from there? And so I think that that's where financial planning turns from science to an art, where you can actually create, you can decide, how do I want my business to grow? You know, how fast do I want to go? What's my pace? Where do I want to go? And then we can then you know, basically you can, you can decide how, what kind of business you want to build, how fast you want to build it, how much risk you want to take on, and then ensure that your financial strategies are aligned to your vision for where you awesome. want your business to go. 
Awesome. And I, I love that you share all of this wisdom in your book. Now, in your book, you mentioned something called the Financially Smart Business Framework. What is this? Share, share, share. <laughs> so the financial, uh, you know, financially smart business framework comes from my years of experience over 10 years working with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of business owners in terms of, and I found that I was saying the same thing over and over again. Like it just that there was a process that developed organically uh, about helping business owners with their financial planning. And so then uh, finally, someone encouraged me to like, can you write this down? And can you write? Because I'm saying the same thing over and over again. Uh, I felt like I just needed to put it into a framework so that we can just refer to it and becomes a, a process that is, again, I'm I'm an engineer. I love systems. And so no, I totally get it. That's system. exactly the, the, the framework behind Easy Daisies, right? It's a, of a mom saying things over and over again. We just show them. And and they just remember because it's instead of repeating yourself, kids just need that visual cue. Totally get it. Totally. And so then, uh, so the framework consists of six different areas that I come across all the time for all my financial planning clients. So the first one has to do with having the, it's about team. So this is about, you know, asking yourself if you have to, at your stage of business, whether you have the right team of advisors that is giving you counsel on the different areas of planning. And typically, as someone grows their business, you probably need to graduate from someone maybe having one advisor to multiple advisors. And Elaine, I know that you know you and I were talking about volleyball and sports and just that just before we started this podcast. But to me, it's very similar to, you know, as as your business progresses, Imagine a sports coach. When you first start out in elementary school, you have one coach that teaches you every single sport, right? And as you move to high school, then you have like, I have, you know, if my sport is volleyball, I have a volleyball coach. If my sport is basketball, yeah, I have a different coach. Mm -hmm. And then as you get to even a higher level of, you know, of playing, then you may have like an offensive coach, a defensive coach, a conditioning coach. Yeah. Um, and so so I think that the the level of expertise that you need as you progress becomes more specialized. Yeah. And at some point, I think the same thing with our financial planning is that, you know, do we have the right team? And mm-hmm. so are you in a season where perhaps you need to graduate from the one person who's telling you everything about your finances to do you have an accountant? Do you have a bookkeeper? Do you have a financial planner? Do we have an investment specialist do you have an insurance specialist and are all these people working together where the right hand knows what the left hand is doing are they working in a way that is cohesive to give you the the big picture so that's that's one of the elements that okay. um, um i consider so again the right team number one what's number correct one? number two is uh cash has to do with cash flow again we we probably have heard of the phrase that cash is king and so what do we do with our money that comes in from our business? I, I think it uh, and, and in the book, I talk about uh, how you allocate your cash flow, the priority of how you spend money. I find that, you know, again, uh, cash is one of these things where, you know, there's never seems to be enough. <laughs> so you can always, you know, as your business grows, sometimes I, I hear people say that, hey, if I, my business grows a bit more, I'll have more cash to, you know, do more things with it. But I find that actually the same principles for how you manage your cash flow is the same regardless of the size of business that you have. Like some of us have smaller pies that we work with. 
right? And some of I think of it as a pie. Uh, and you know, you you have you have to make a decision about you know you have hundred percent. How much of that do I want to allocate to the different areas? And in a way, these principles are the same. Doesn't matter how how big your business gets, the principle is the same. That so the priority of how you spend your money right. makes a lot of like it makes a huge impact in terms of what we do. So, Felicia, so, would you say it's a little bit different for uh, product based businesses as opposed to service because cash flows evaporates quickly with inventory sucking it all into, <laughs> into a warehouse or in manufacturing? What what uh, tip would you give there when it's a product based business? Yeah, when it's a product based business, then it's absolutely about, you know, inventory turnover and how much cash is tied into inventory and how fast do do things flow and what sort of capital do I need to right to to allow me to float. And and actually for product based businesses, as you grow, you know, you need to build the widget first before you ship the widget. And so in a way, as you grow, the you know, managing the cash flow is even more important because uh, and and growing so fast can sometimes you know bankrupt a company because you are taking on you know you you the the cash flow needs are sometimes exponential right if you get if you you know if you want to grow ten times then you need to have cash flow to produce ten times the number yeah. of widgets that you have yeah so exactly. often controlling that and also having um you know cash flow operating capital uh being having good sources of where uh, where you can kind of manage that. And I think having in the good metrics in your company to measure like what is the need, what is the flow, what is the projection, those are uh, very important. But also for service-based companies, I would also say then, uh, you know, although there's no inventory, but there's often people, right? Like you often need people to deliver your services. Mm-hmm. So as you grow and scale, as you bring in more people, I, I see those in a way as also you know, as in, quote unquote inventory, because you also need to manage uh, your personnel. You need time to train them. You need to bring them up to speed so that they can do the delivery in the way that you want them to. But I, I think for all business owners, something that is important to figure out, which is, you know, how how do I allocate my cash coming in? What parts do I need for short term? What parts do I meet, need, you know, in the in the midterm if I'm doing expansion? And what are really the long-term money that I need for, you know, tackling long-term projects? And so often a conversation that we end up having with clients is figuring out how much cash they need short-term, medium-term, long-term, so that you can make sure that the the funding to them, you know, to these projects are allocated accordingly. And I always add in an extra um, uh, thing to uh, prioritize in our cash flow which is also then how much are we going to, you know, put away for ourselves? I, I think, you know, one important thing to consider for the entrepreneur is it sometimes we feel like, I feel like for many people, you're not prior to, like, we're not necessarily prioritizing retirement, for example, like exit in the future. Yeah. And so, right, we're focusing so much on growing, growing, growing the company. And yeah. so sometimes um, that is a hat that I wear, which is asking my client, the entrepreneur, so what do you what do you need to put away so that 20 years later, when we look back and the business could be going well or not well, but regardless, we have this portfolio, we have this, you know, separate pot of money that you have uh, put away consistently over a long term that gives you flexibility so that you're not so dependent on 
you know, needing your business to be there because you have then alternatives to fund your cash flow right in the future. So that is also now would they be then opening a separate business number underneath that umbrella? How would Uh, they? It, it, you know, it's flexible. So it depends on uh, what they're, what they want their future to look like. Uh, so I can think of, of, you know, some people that feel like their business will, and, you know, another, and maybe this is a good time to bring up another uh, area of the financially smart business framework. Uh, one of them is vision. So vision has to do with uh, knowing where you want your business, like what kind of business you're building. Um, because again, we may have our business for decades and decades, or it might be just a season that we own a business. And so for me, it's important for my clients to know what they're building because the financial strategies that tie to what business you build are different. For example, if I'm, if I know I'm building a lifestyle business that just, you know, gives me the, my desired lifestyle and I'm not maybe going to sell it in the future. Like it's just, I just enjoy doing it. I don't want it to be too complex for me. It's about keeping things simple. I love what I do. Um, and so I just want to do that for a while. And so we know we're not maybe necessarily going to sell the business. Right. So what are we going to do in the future when we don't have that business anymore versus someone who is wanting to scale rapidly? You know, let's scale my business really quickly. I'm planning for an exit. Right. Uh, someone is going to buy my business again. You're probably then not paying yourself a whole, whole lot today because you're working on injecting everything Absolutely. into the scale of business hoping for an exit in the future. So the financial planning strategies for both of both of those owners are very different. And I think understanding our vision, knowing where we're going, then allows okay. us to, yeah, connect, connect. Love that. So if I could recap then, mm-hmm. so of the six areas, and I know I can listen to you forever, Felicia, so I'm like, just tell us more, but I know we have a time frame. So the, we've covered three areas, I think, team, cash flow, vision. Vision. So the other ones are, uh, I don't know if we have time to cover all of them, but in a nutshell, uh, one of them is provision. So this is about, you know, again, as entrepreneurs, we're all very optimistic about that. We'll be here forever. But I but I think sometimes life will throw us curveballs where we might not be around. So provision has to do with what it risk management. It has to do with uh, perhaps insurance planning. It has to do with you know, are your loved ones, the people that you care about, are they going to be okay? Are they going to be taken care of? If something were to happen to you, if something were to be interrupted uh, in right. your journey. So what can we put in place today to transfer the risk of things happening so that they are taken care of regardless of what happens to us? Brilliant. So this is all about provision. Brilliant. And then the other area um, that I also talk about in the business is about margin. And so this is about, again, um, you know, thinking long term, thinking about what can I, what can I um, put away for tomorrow? You know, what can, what, what am I doing with the cash I'm making? Is it all sitting in cash? Or on the flip side, is it investing in things that are so risky that if I needed cash, I can't even pull it out? Um, so it's about proper asset allocation, making sure that the proper amount of money is in the right type of investments. Uh, and just making sure that we are growing our, you know, assets in the way that can produce and perhaps replace the income that we are making from a business one day. Awesome. And then the last part of it, uh, you know, the last um, section is called um, ownership. So I also find that as a business owner, when it comes to financial planning, it isn't necessarily just about the, you know, the money side of it, but it's also about our job as an, like our job description as an owner is to develop 
wow, this is not going to sound very exciting, but it's about developing, you know, policies and uh, structures and accountability structures for ourselves. And I find that um, for most business owners, we enjoy uh, being our own boss, right? You don't have to report to anybody, but sometimes we are at our own our own worst enemy. <laughs> I find that yes, you know, I if that. we have no accountability, I can do whatever I want with the money that I have. Then sometimes, you know, I can, again, in the book, I share a couple of examples of people that are, you know, sometimes your 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 strengths are also your weaknesses. And so if we're really, uh, you know, let's say, right, if we're really optimistic, I'll just pick that as an example, um, because most entrepreneurs are because we're optimistic about what we can build. But sometimes we are then, you know, also optimistic about where the money is coming from and we don't have guardrails built in to constrain ourselves. And so I think about things like uh, how much should I, you know, dividend policies. I think about uh, how, what kind of metrics are we measuring in our company to make sure that we have the financial dashboards, that we actually know what's going on and not just being hopeful. And I also think about, you know, for those of us who have partners, like how do you, how do you actually set up, you know, decisions about when you pay yourself how much you pay yourself. And so there's a whole bunch of um, financial management policies that has to deal, you know, and, and structures that have to be in place to ensure that we are being uh, responsible and we're being good stewards of our money. And so that, that also talks about that. in the book. I love that. You're reminding me of, uh, I, I recently heard someone say that the difference between a business owner and, or owning a business and having a job is the first one works on their business and the second one is working in the business. And so I love this ownership portion of your uh, six areas of just reminding us we, we do need to have policies and structures in place, systems in place. And who's supposed to create that? That business owner. So love these reminders so much and a little scary to me, but <laughs> loving all of this. <clears throat> now, I, I would love to have you share what you think <clears throat> how should a business owner maximize the benefits of being a business owner because you know there should be benefits but what and how yeah uh i think the the best thing about being a business owner is that you are uh you know you're not constrained by the limits of what you can make in a way so what I mean by that is uh, typically, you know, for someone that is in employed, right, if you wanted to have more funds to do something, you either have to get a raise, find a new job or cut your expenses. That's how you have more money. But for a business owner, uh, what I find amazing is that often it may be about tweaking marketing. It may be about ramping up what we do. But often um, if we want to dial up, you know, our, our finances, it, it can actually be achieved fairly quickly sometimes uh, just by, you know, like if I often, uh, you know, find this with my clients that if I, if we end up setting a profit goal and then they're like, yeah, if I know how much I need to make, I'll just go and like, I can, I can adjust my marketing. I can adjust my sales strategies. Uh, I can, you know, develop something different. And so it can actually happen in a fairly short time frame. Versus someone that is, you know, in a job that, well, it may take you several years, you might have to change careers or, right, like it's, we just have so much more 
freedom and we have so much more avenues in which to you know change our financial um, picture so i think that is definitely one of the the benefits that we should maximize which is just if you know how much you need you can actually go make it happen right and the second thing is also as a business owner uh for those that are especially incorporated in canada um again you have a great vehicle for a lot of tax deferral even though i'm not a tax expert so i usually refer to an accountant uh, but I think that um, making sure that one understands all the tax deferral strategies uh, of being incorporated, of having holding companies. And so some of these, uh, I'll give you one example, um, is that, you know, sometimes people ask me, hey, I'm, you know, I, I sometimes find that people are not incorporated yet. And so the question is, should I incorporate, should I not incorporate, or should I have a holding company? Um, I find that if you are not needing all the funds that you are making, so uh, so then we can, you know, in Canada, so much of our financial planning is about tax planning. <laughs> so so mm-hmm. understanding, having a, a good accountant friend or having, uh, you know, your accountant uh, be one that is proactive about sharing with you about tax planning, making sure you have a financial advisor that looks, takes a look at your taxes. Um, so I, I find that being a business owner, being being able to incorporate allows you a lot of tax deferral strategies that one simply doesn't have as a, you know, as as a, a, a personal, as a person that's working, right, in a job. Um, and then the other thing that I also think that uh, for business owners, something that you can maximize on is uh, retirement is often a different concept for business owners, because hopefully you love the work that you do, you build a business that you love. Mm-hmm. So then it's not about hitting age 65, you know, saving until you're age 65 quitting the job that you hate, and then now spending the rest of your life enjoying the retirement money. I think that for business owners, retirement plan is quite different. And so how we can maximize that is that you probably can create, you know, the your job environment that you love. You can choose who you work with. You mm-hmm. can choose what products or services you build. And in a way, many of my clients that hit age 65 do not retire. So then, um, so then, you know, retirement planning then can be very flexible. It's about creating, uh, you know, like income strategies. It's about maybe knowing uh, how much you're working or whether you want to go part time as you get closer to retirement and then making sure. Yeah. But, you know, you don't where there's not a a, a single date that we are right. Like hitting the deadline. So many of my clients actually when they get to, um, you know, like closer to quote unquote retirement age in typically uh, what we see, think of in our mid 60s or early 70s, yeah. they are choosing to still continue working because they have so much expertise and wisdom. And, and it's purposeful. It, I think, you Completely. know, I, when I see that in people, I, you know, I like they love what they do and and it gives them joy and it makes them wake up in the morning when I see people who are, are past retirement age and just loving what they do, I'm like, power to you. Yes. Yes. Sure. And, and so then in a way for, you know, what we do as um, you know, when we, when we're a business owner, how do we maximize it? I think it's all the benefits that come from being able to choose who you work with mm-hmm. and choose, you know, who, like what, what you want to make and how you make money. And you cre- you can create a, uh, a a business, a lifestyle that really brings, uh, you know, brings for sure financial security, but also brings meaning and brings fulfillment Absolutely. Uh, to you. 
And so then those are some of the benefits. And so then when you when you couple that with all the, you know, all the financial, all the money side of things, all the tax deferral and things like that, I find that it, you can actually um, there's there's a lot of benefits to being a business owner because you can create a, a future that right that is according to you know your your talents and your gifts and your passion uh, and your vision for how you want to contribute to society. So I think all those so things are. Points. Yeah, all, so all points. Like I, I'm like writing these notes down, and I'm like, okay, I must talk to my account about tax deferral strategies, <laughs> having holding companies. Love it. Now, this is the big question that I know many people would like to know the answer to, Felicia. What should I do now to plan for the exit of my business? Yeah, good question. Fully loaded question. Yeah. So I think that uh, what comes up for me in that area is often uh, for many entrepreneurs, I, I find unless it's been intentional from the very start when they start the business, like some people just know that when they start a business, they have a vision for exit. Like, like they know what they're building towards, but many people don't. Like many people feel like, hey, I just, I like what this do, but I, just, I don't really know what I'm, what I'm going to do in the, you know, if you ask me, how are you planning to exit from your business? Mm -hmm. You say, well, I haven't really thought about that. Right. And what I find that when that happens is often, um, you know, some clients that I've seen are not able to actually retire from their business or exit from their business because in the way the business has been really good and providing a, a healthy income. So, you know, as an example, uh, and then, you know, if they were to sell that business, maybe it's not going to give them enough funds to replace the, the income that right. they're making from their business, Right. So I think, you know, I, I think about someone, you know, for example, um, let's say a marketing firm, you know, builds up an incredible team of clients and now the owner um, is paying themselves $200,000, $300,000 a year, right? So they have, but maybe over time, they've just been focusing on servicing their client and having a good roster of clients, but maybe they haven't paid too much attention to systematizing or uh, or building systems in the business okay. so that if they are not in the business, right. then the business doesn't really have a lot of value. Okay, so Felicia, so, would you say that's number one is to make sure you have systems in place? Yeah, making sure that, um, you know, how can your business run without you being there, right? So without being there in operations, without you being there in, in sales in the future, and so can it run its on its own? And so to me, this is very much like parenting too. <laughs> so, you know, we think, I think of, I think of businesses as a baby, like when, when, when it starts out, uh, it's like a, it's like a little human in fact that we're developing, right? Mm -hmm. So when we are, um, you know, when the business is at its infancy, we have to do everything for yeah, it. Yeah. We have to feed it, change it. Yeah. Right. And if you're not there, it, it will not survive. But over time, can your business run? You know, can can your child eat without you being there? <laughs> can yeah. they go? Can they do things without you? So I really believe that it's a, a good question to consider. Is are we do we want a baby? Do we want our business to be a baby the whole our whole lives, or are we hoping to you know grow and develop and teach this quote unquote baby, which is our business, to be independent over time? Absolutely. So that in the future, it can be a thriving, functioning adult without us being there, right? So our relationship with the business changes. And so I think very much about uh, when it comes to exit planning, it's about a business owner being intentional about um, building something that has value, that can run it on its own without you being there. And so then hopefully then in the future, if you can do that, either it buys you time 
or perhaps there's enough value built in it that you can exit from it and you know replace it with um uh you know uh, you can sell it for a sum that will contribute to your retirement uh, or you can use the money to start start a different business and so right. all those things are are options for someone to consider okay so i'm going to recap here so in planning for an exit number 1 so key is that business has a system so it can run without you because you're not selling yourself as part of the package. Most often you're not. I understand some businesses do, and then they keep you on as an advisor or you still now are an employee, but your business is sold. But number two is then make sure that it has value. So going back to the making sure that that profit margin exists and is, is worth buying. Was there a third one that I missed? Yeah, I think that um uh though I think those are the main ones to consider. And also um I also find that when it comes to exit planning uh for business owners, uh, we often need to retire to something. <laughs> so so I think that rather than retire from it, and so I I you know discover that for business owners, um we are probably not people that will just sit around and do nothing. I, I think that's very seldom do I find uh, a business owner, you know, selling a business and then like, yeah, I'm, I don't want to do anything anymore. I think it's more common that we are visionaries, we have ideas or we have causes that we want to, you know, we we want to contribute to. So in a way, making sure that we are you know, doing the right thing to help our business to become independent without us allows us to, you know, to allow us to pursue these other interests. Um, I have a good example of a, a client. I mentioned this in the book as well. Um, and this is a young fellow and he actually is a, a great entrepreneur. And so he he exited from his business in his 30s. And so then, you know, in one of our financial planning sessions, like he actually felt lost about what do I do now? Like I, I'm exited from my business and, you know, it gave him enough um, funds to pay off his mortgage and give him a, like a decent standard of living. And so he's thinking like, what do I do next? Almost feels a bit lost. And so in that session, we talked about, you know, what, you know, what, what would get you excited? And to him, actually, he was very passionate about um, supporting his um, church so he he goes to church and he then um you know he donated a bunch of money from the the proceeds of the sale to his church to plant a new campus and so then you know we actually talked about him having this gift of entrepreneurship and so what he ended up doing was then creating new businesses for the purposes of using the funds to fund you know fund new church plants so wow. i think that gave him just such a different purpose yeah absolutely completely and so I think when we when it comes to exit planning, like if you know the why behind what you do, then you know sometimes running the business is about yes providing for yourself, but I think also um, entrepreneurs are gifted with this ability to also um, fund many projects, causes, charities that they love, and I, I feel like there's an obligation for us to do a good job with what we do. So yeah. that we can actually uh, benefit, right? The the you know all Absolutely. the causes that we are called I love to. That. That's yeah, awesome. To great example. Great story. Now we're gonna we're gonna end on a rapid fire here. Yes, I'm gonna ask you some quick questions, Miss Felicia, and you're just gonna tell me the 
first thing that comes to you the top of your mind, because we are talking about how to create better, how to create yeah. better family, mm. how to create better self, business and health. So your very best first thing that comes to your mind as a tip for how to create better family, what would it be? Better family. Uh, I think uh, ask questions rather than rather than give answers. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. Ask questions rather than give answers. Love that so much. How to create better self. Better self. Uh, know your why. Beautiful. Love it. Uh, how to create better business. Um, create better business. Set office hours. <laughs> Sorry, have office hours? Yeah, set your own, know what you're, know when you as a CEO shows up. If you're a CFO, know when, like for your own company, because we often play multiple roles. Yeah. And I find that um, because we, you know, because we play multiple roles in our business, maybe parts of us are not showing up to work. (laughs) So, right. And so I, I always think like, you know, hey, who is your chief financial officer for your company? And did that person show up for work in the last month? And so <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So like, oh no, just the employees. And of course, because we were working in our business, right? It's like, yes. no, we need the CFO as, a, right. as well. Show up. I love that very much. Beautiful. And last one, how to create better health. Ah, I think health is one of these areas. Um, you can't delegate your push-ups. <laughs> so <laughs> I am a very big fan of delegation and building systems, but I think for health. I, I want to say, just do it. Like you, you cannot delegate. And so then uh, do it despite not feeling like it. <laughs> I, I love it. You can't delegate push-ups. I love it. Yeah. Felicia, you are incredible and awesome. And if people wanted to find you, where should they go? Yeah. Uh, so we talked about my book. And so I have a website dedicated to that. It's called financiallysmartbusiness.com. So on the website, you'll, you know, the the links will be there to purchase the book. But also, I think what's important to share is that there is actually an assessment there. Uh, So if you click on the assessment, it can actually give you some insights into where you are now and the, you know, best next steps to do. So uh, make sure you uh, connect there. And also, um, I'm the founder of Clarity Planning, Inc., and so then uh, our website there is clarityplanning.ca. So you can. Uh, connect with me. I'm on all the, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on the social media platforms and would love to, yeah, hear your questions and hear your thoughts. But, uh, but I think the best resource I would point to for anyone listening, uh, if you have questions about your finances is go to financiallysmartbusiness.com, click on that assessment page, and then you can actually answer a bunch of questions and it'll give you some insights into where you are and what to work on next for your finances. That is incredible. That is incredible. We're going to have all those links on our show notes at elainskitchentable.com. And so you can actually find Felicia there. Felicia, I just want to say thank you with all my heart for sharing your wisdom, your heart, your time with us today. And listeners, thank you for joining us. I am quite sure you also wrote down copious notes like I did. So thank you, Felicia. Thanks so much for today. And uh, yeah, best wishes for a bright financial future for everyone who's listening today. Thanks so much for having me, Elaine. I love it. I'm just still laughing about you can't delegate your push-ups. <laughs> so love that. <laughs> Felicia, thank you. And to our guests, thank you so much, our listeners, for, for, for tuning in and chatting with us and listening to us. And we look forward to having you join us next time. Bye for now.